Welcome, everyone. I'm Marilyn Stern, Communications Coordinator for the Middle East Forum. Today we welcome our speaker, Dr. Svanti Cornell. Dr. Cornell is Director of the Central Asia Caucasus Institute and Silk Road Studies Program at the Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Cornell is publisher of The Turkey Analyst, a biweekly briefing on current affairs and co-author of the Bipartisan Policy Center's recent study, Turkey Transformed. Dr. Cornell is joining us today from Sweden and will be discussing our topic, The Death of Ataturk's Vision. Ataturk was Turkey's first president after the end of the Ottoman Empire. He secularized Turkey, introduced democratic reforms, and eschewed political Islam. Turkey's current president, Erdogan, however, has taken Turkey in a decidedly different direction, increasingly putting it at odds with the West. Dr. Cornell will discuss this and other issues that are unfolding in Turkey following the failed coup against President Erdogan and Turkey's recent offensive into Syria. Dr. Cornell? Thank you very much. Uh, it's a great pleasure uh, to be on this conference call. And uh, in order to uh, leave as much time as possible, I'll go right into the substance of the matter. I'll try to make about uh, six or seven brief points, and I'll be very glad to take uh, engage in a discussion with um, other participants afterwards. Um, my first point would be that I think um, uh, many Turks that I speak to uh, will say that uh, you can't really uh, describe what a great crisis this is, that we tend still after this to underestimate how, how great this crisis has been, even in a historical perspective in Turkey. Uh, a lot of people compare it to the 1980 military coup and say that this is the worst trauma for Turkish society. And the point being that uh, whereas earlier coups and upheavals have uh, have not really touched the integrity of the state, but what we're seeing here is the state itself being torn apart. Uh, it is not a struggle of state against society or of the state reimposing its will over society as was, for example, the case in 1980, but the state itself being destroyed. Uh, and what we're seeing, I would, I would say, is that the, the Turkish state has been destroyed by what is really, in simplified terms, an infighting between two Islamic sects. Of course, the one being the, um, the Erdogan-led uh, grouping issued or with an origin in the Naqshbandiya order, and the other being the Fethullah Gulen movement uh, led by the preacher based in Pennsylvania presently. Um, I should add that there are really no good guys in this struggle. Uh, Erdogan is more of an overt anti-Western uh, political force. Uh, the Gulen movement, much murkier and much more opaque, um, portrays itself as a friend to the West, but its actions don't really lend any long-term credibility to that, to that assertion. The uh, next point I would like to make is that um, on the surface of this, uh, there's a lot of com commentary that suggests that type Erdogan has come out strengthened uh, by this coup. I would tend to disagree. Uh, on a very superficial level, of course, a, a very strong threat to his position in power has been has been dealt a severe blow. Uh, but from a, a number of perspectives, uh, I would not. I tend to view him as weakened by this. Number one, of course, he's presiding over a heap of ashes in the sense that Turkey not only has a state that is dysfunctional, uh, he will not be in a position to replace the tens of thousands of people he has fired or jailed. His own political or ideological movement does not have the manpower to do this. Um, also, if you look purely at his personal uh, health condition, it appears to have worsened after the coup. We can talk more about that. 
but I would say most importantly that uh, everybody in Turkey knows that the person who allowed the Gulen movement to take on this decisive role in state institutions and turn on him was Tayyip Erdogan himself, and I think that is not something to, a point to be lost uh, at all. Um, the uh, I think that weakness, uh, especially with the fact that the Turkish military, the pride of the country, the pride of the nation is in tatters, uh, is very much one of the reasons, I think, why Turkey has made a move into Syria to show to internal as well external enemies that Turkey is not counted out, that it has some strength left, and that it is still uh, still punching above its weight, so to speak. Um, and final, a few final points. The I think the uh, the fact that the trauma uh, on a political level and on a societal level in Turkey is so significant actually increases the the urge to look for outside culprits. And what we see primarily, of course, is the conspiracy theory widely believed that the United States was behind this coup. Um, to what extent Erdogan personally believes this, I don't know. But it is clear that the milieu around him believes this is the case and that it is shared by people outside of the uh, pure Islamist milieu of Erdogan. Uh, we see leading secularists, Kemalists, um, figures and personalities in Turkey appearing to share this view. And therefore, you have a sort of a, a rallying uh, around the flag, a rallying around Erdogan by people who otherwise would seem to not to be or haven't been his uh, traditional allies. And this is very much a, a kind of an anti-Western coalition being built, specifically an anti-American coalition. Um, in terms of foreign policy, of course, we see the we see the, the rapprochement with Russia very much um, a part of of that uh, of that trend. Um, when I get the question uh, to what extent Turkey will break from the West, it is still my sense that there is a pragmatism left in the Turkish leadership. They know how vulnerable they are. They know how connected they are to the West, and they have always wanted to both have the cake and eat it, so to speak. Um, I don't think that has quite yet changed, but for the first time I'm, I'm, I'm really worried about it. And I think the question is to what extent, even in, for Erdogan personally, he's reached a, a breaking point uh, with the West uh, after these events. And the final point, uh, very final point I'd like to make, is that um, there are really no pro-Western political forces left in Turkey uh, on an active level. There are pro-Western pockets, groups uh, within society, within business, within even um, Passive political leaders stand, standing by in the shadows, but in active politics today, we do we don't have any friends in Turkey. I'll end right there. Thank you. Thank you. The question and answer period will now begin, and we invite your participation. Please note that when there are no questions in the queue, the moderator will ask a question. To join the question and answer session queue, press star one on your telephone keypad. If you wish to identify yourself when your line has been unmuted, please do so. Please remember, if you have your phone on mute, take it off mute when you are selected to ask your question. Again, to join the question and answer session queue, press star 1 on your telephone keypad. We do have a number of callers, so we'll go ahead with our first caller. We'll take our first question. Caller, if you wish to identify yourself, please do so when your line is unmuted. Uh, yes, this is Alexander Landsman from New York. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Uh, two questions, if I may. Uh, the first, you alluded to the worsening of Erdogan's 
uh, health, and I would like you to elaborate a little bit on that. And also, as far as the coup attempt itself, uh, during the course uh, of the events, uh, it was questioned as to how badly bungled this uh, coup attempt seemed to have been if, in fact, uh, the, the coup plotters had Erdogan and his plane in their sights, but it was not shot down. Can you comment on that as well, please? Uh, sure, thanks for the question. On, on the health, I think the main indicator, there are two main indicators. One is um, the, the general appearance of Erdogan. Com compare the before and the after. He appears to be very taken on a personal level by basically strongly believing that he escaped death very narrowly, together with his family, especially in the hotel in Marmaris. Uh, the other indication, I think, is reports that during a during a period during the the, the summit with the Russian president, uh, Mr. Putin was actually apparently made to wait for a very significant period of time, uh, which is very un, uh, unusual. But also recalled some of the periods during Erdogan's earlier health crises in 2012 and 2013 when that type of delays for health reasons happened very frequently on his foreign travels. I know of several instances when that happened previously. But, of course, details of this we don't know, just as we don't know really what was going on for sure uh, three to four years ago. Um, on the actual coup, I, I would say that the uh, it's very difficult to discern what is actually true and what is part of a, an attempt to glorify Erdogan. The, um, a part of the, um, there's a certain myth-building going on about uh, the dangers he was in, uh, and particularly regarding this air incident. I'm not saying it didn't happen, I'm just saying that I, I, most of the information we have is actually from Turkish government sources. Uh, to my mind, the real, the real scare was when he escaped very narrowly, uh, by an hour's notice or less, uh, the arrival of the coup plotters into his, um, into, into his hotel in Marmaris. Uh, on the on, on the broader issue of the way that of the coup being bungled, I think yes, it was bungled, but it was bungled mainly for two reasons. First, it took place outside of the chain of command, which made communication very difficult between the plotters. That, in turn, was the the, the increase in signal intelligence, if you will, in communications on various telephone applications between the plotters, led to their discovery, more or less, to the intelligence service understanding that something was on which actually forced the coup plotters to, to actually move into action a number of hours before they were actually planning to do so. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to our next caller. And if you wish to identify yourself, please do so when your line is unmuted. Um, what is the actual current relationship between Obama and Erdogan? Is it completely severed? Is it? Is there any glimmer of anything there? Uh, well, I mean, I just saw today that there is apparently a meeting taking place uh, between them at the upcoming G20 summit in a few days. But the interesting thing on a broader scale is that uh, Mr. Obama and Mr. Erdogan used to talk on a weekly basis, if not more, about various events uh, and developments around the globe. Uh, Mr. Obama, you know, several years ago, referred to Mr. Erdogan as one of his five closest uh, leaders, world leaders. Um, after the uh, 2013 uh, crackdown on the protests in Istanbul, that seems to be the case, and it seems that, uh, as in so many other instances, when Mr. when Mr. Obama 
loses faith in, in a person, he simply ceases, ceases to interact with them and more or less dumps it on Joe Biden. And I think to a certain extent that is what has been happening in Turkey, that the, um, the, the Turkey file has been delegated from President Obama down to other people, and that has not been helpful. I think they have very little in terms of an actual rapport these days. I think there's a lot of um, mutual disappointment between them uh, which is not going to be easily bridged with one or two meetings, especially since Mr. Obama only has a number of months left in his uh, uh, in his presidency. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to our next caller. Please, uh, if you wish to identify yourself, please do so when you hear your line is unmuted. Uh, this is Peter Weinstein. Um, I quite agree with your statement that uh, Erdogan is not an ally of the uh, West, but what I can't quite understand is who are his natural allies. I can't believe it's Russia. I think that's just a power play uh, to, to uh, offset American laws. Thank you. Well, I quite agree with you, and I think the the roller coaster of Turkish-Russian relations shows that this is not a stable relationship in any way, and that their interests are not not quite uh, in in alignment. Uh, I think that the broader answer to your question is that Turkey. Uh, I would. I almost feel um, like quoting the old Turkish nationalist saying that the only friend of a Turk is another Turk. That is what many Turks believe, and I think recent developments would have strengthened that. But joking aside, uh, in Erdogan's mind, his real, the, the real allies that he sees for himself is a Sunni Muslim uh, world, if you will, the Sunni Arab countries. That's what he sees as a natural zone of influence where Turkey should be the leader and Turkey should be the representative and leader of that community. And in his foreign policy, together with that of Ahmed Davutoglu, his foreign minister and later prime minister, was uh, was focused, was, was a bid for a leadership role in the Arab Middle East. It failed miserably, as we all know, and that's what left Turkey very much isolated and very much alone, which they later, of course, uh, uh, you know, um, turned into this term of splendid isolation, which, of course, was an after-the-fact construction of a very difficult situation. No, Turkey is Turkey is very vulnerable. Turkey is very much isolated. And is, in fact, Erdogan finds himself in parallel in, in three very deep struggles. One is against the PKK. The other is against the powerful Gulen movement that he himself um, brought into the corridors of power to a very significant extent, even if they had been working on it for a number of years prior. And, of course, as well as with the Islamic State. So um, Turkey doesn't have any real friends, and that is the legacy of Erdogan's presidency. Thank you. Thank you. We'll go to our next caller, and if you wish to identify yourself, please do so when your line is unmuted. Yeah, this is uh, Jerry Stern. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, uh, there is a, a belief uh, not only within the inner circle of um, Erdogan's uh, staff and, and uh, supporters that the United States um, was behind or at least was complicit in uh, the, the failed coup attempt. Uh, but you said that it's also believed uh, beyond and in a wider audience that the U.S. was behind it. From your perspective, was the United States actually involved or were they behind or, uh, or had some um, complicit uh, involvement in, in the uh, failed coup? 
thanks for the question. It's an opportunity to set the record straight, if you will. I think, uh, I, I, first of all, there is absolutely no evidence suggesting this, and I don't see any logic by which the United States, uh, with a, especially under an administration which is uh, quite disinterested, tries to move away from this part of the world and from the, from the Middle East and pivot to Asia and pivot away from this whole, whole region, would be uh, would be take an interest in overthrowing the government of a fellow NATO member. I, I, I hold that as very unlikely, and basically it can be ruled out. But the, the situation in Turkey, of course, is that uh, conspiracy theories... I lived in Turkey for seven years in the 1990s. It was already a very conspiratorial place, but that has gone out of control in Turkey. Uh, there is no way that people believe the easy and the most logical explanation... Uh, there is always the attempt to find concocted uh, theories and, and foreign devils, foreign uh, evils who are behind the otherwise inexorable rise of Turkey to global prominence. And this is something that Erdogan, pro-Erdogan media has been has been uh, spewing out for a very long period of time. It involves always a combination of either the United States and or the Jewish world conspiracy that in Erdogan's mind is something very real. Um, so uh, I think the uh, the belief is there, and that is that has been there actually from the 19, late 1990s when Fethullah Gulen moved to the United States. That this must be a CIA operation, and the fact that people associated with the CIA have written and spoken very positively about Gulen for many years is, of course, used uh, as a as a as a support for the, these type of theories. Uh, I don't believe in them, but that doesn't change. You know, in politics, perceptions tend to have a very real implications, even if they, even if they are quite erroneous. Thank you. Thank you. Just a reminder to everyone: if you wish to enter the question queue, press star one on your telephone keypad. Um, also, note that when there are no questions in the queue, the moderator will ask a question. So while we wait for further questions, I'll turn it back to our moderator, Marilyn. Thank you, Bonnie. Yes, Dr. Cornell, uh, you mentioned how Biden has uh, been taking over the messenger uh, responsibilities and going to Turkey and reassuring them. How does this impact the U.S. role uh, as it backs Kurdish forces to fight against ISIS and all the inner um, back and forth of the different Kurdish groups and how that plays mm -hmm. into the big picture? This is a very com complex question. Thank you for the question. I, I would say it's a little early to really tell. Uh, my sense um, would be that there has been an ongoing tug of war, if you will, between within the U.S. government between those that would put priority on relations with Turkey as a NATO member and as a key country in the whole region, and those that put priority on the relationship with the Kurds of Syria and beyond, in fact, the Kurds of the whole region as the main forces that are pro-Western, pro-American, and that are actually fighting against uh, the Islamic State. Uh, it seems to me that after relations with Turkey now came to a head, uh, that there was a sense that um, the uh, the Turkish position had to be taken into account let, uh, in the, in the absence of which the entire relationship with, with, with Turkey could be jeopardized. And that, I, in my, to my mind, explains Mr. Biden's very clear 
statement of what would be a red line, what would not be acceptable in terms of the the advances of the of the of the Kurds into into ter other territories on the Turkish border. But I think this is this is something very much in evolution. I don't think there there is a, there is a full coordination, let alone. Uh, any alignment between what Turkey is doing in Syria and with the United and the United States? I think there's probably more coordination with Russia at this point, actually. Um, but I think this is something that is changing on an almost daily basis. Thank you. Okay. Well, we have a number of questions here, so we'll go to our first caller. Again, if you wish to identify yourself, please do so when you hear your line is unmuted. Yes, hello. Um, we've heard a lot about relationships between uh, Turkey and Israel, and I'm wondering if you could comment on the status between that relationship and these so-called bilateral ties that are now working between Turkey and Israel. Well, um, the uh, before this coup attempt, it was actually uh, quite interesting to see that the isolation that Turkey had, had uh, put itself in uh, was beginning to take a toll and led actually Turkey to uh, to actually sue for peace, if you will, both with Russia and with Israel simultaneously, and to actually be the party in both relationships to actually make very very clearly to make the more concessions in order to normal normalize relations, not getting actually what they had demanded for a number of months from in terms of either the relationship with Israel or with Russia, uh, and I think that was pretty significant in terms of how how isolated Turkey was. Um, I, for one, think that the, this is something very pragmatic, something very tactical, something very short-term. Uh, I understand, obviously, that Turkey is an extremely important country for Israel, and it is absolutely in Israel's interest to avoid antagonizing Turkey. But over the long term, the transformation of Turkey is of such a deeply uh, deep uh, nature and that Turkey is being transformed into an increasingly both anti-Israeli, anti-Zionist, and anti-Semitic uh, country. Uh, in fact, the, if we, for those of us who entertain relationships with the Turkish opposition, uh, it was quite remarkable to note how the opposition Republicans People's Party criticized the normalization uh, with Israel on the basis that Turkey wasn't getting what it deserved from Israel. So um, every force in Turkey will use the Israel and the uh, the issue, uh, the, the anti-Semitism to bash one another. And I think this is progressively only going to get, get worse as the Islamization of Turkey through the uh, education system and many other, uh, in many other ways um, proceeds over the next couple of years. So for Israel, obviously you have to deal with the hand that you're, you have to work with the hand that you were dealt. Uh, but I don't think there should be any illusions about where Turkey is heading and where Erdogan and his government and most other political forces in Turkey stand on the, on the question of Israel in the future. Thank you for your response. All right, we'll take the next question now. Caller, if you wish to identify yourself, please do so when you hear that your line is unmuted. Thank you. This is Judy Hershon. Could you comment a little bit about the Muslim Brotherhood and um, the relationship mm -hmm. between Turkey and the other countries which surrounding them, which are um, the Sunni who are supporting Muslim Brotherhood versus Egypt, which um, feels threatened by the Muslim Brotherhood? And how does, yes, how does that uh, play out? Sure. Well, um, 
<laughs> we could talk for a long time about that, but the the, the short version of that is I think that uh, I think for to simplify matters, we should view Erdogan and his political movement uh, as the Turkish version of the Muslim Brotherhood. It is not identical, but it is very much a, a, a if you will, a Muslim Brotherhood light type of movement. Uh, it has a lot of the Ottomanism and the um, the nostalgia for the Ottoman Empire. But the, the one leg of the movement is that. The other leg of this movement is really the modern political Islam that was built by Hassan al-Banna with the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt uh, from the 1930s onward. That is the that is a worldview of the Turkish Orthodox Islamist. That is where Tayyip Erdogan and his entire um, political movement come from. And the uh, the bid for leadership in the Middle East that started about five years ago after the Arab upheavals. Uh, was very much predicated on Turkey use, supporting and using the Muslim Brotherhood to build a coalition of uh, um, of like-minded states across the entire region. That, of course, failed miserably, and uh, Turkey invested enormously in the Morsi regime in in Egypt and egged it on. Uh, obviously, aside from Tunisia, there isn't a lot of places where the Brotherhood is, is alive and kicking. That was a major miscalculation on Turkey's part, but um, I think um, that's how I would view it. The, uh, the, other, uh, the interesting relationship, I think, is the one with Saudi Arabia, where uh, Turkey, Turkish-Saudi relations actually worsened considerably for a while over the issue of Egypt when the, Egyptians were, when the, when the Saudis were, were supporting the overthrow of Morsi and the, uh, and the Sisi government in, in, in Cairo. Uh, of course, Turkey being completely on the other side, refusing to normalize relations with Egypt since then. Uh, that has been somewhat ameliorated after the uh, transfer of power and the death of the king and the arrival of King Salman, who's been taking a slower, a softer approach on the uh, on the Muslim Brotherhood and has been willing to, so to speak, try to embrace Turkey and to work together with Turkey on Syria and other issues. Uh, with the Arab Emirates, Turkey's relationship is still very poor uh, because of the uh, Brotherhood issue. Uh, with Qatar, of course, they are it's, they are much better because Qatar and Turkey have been the joint sponsors of the Brotherhood across the entire region. And to this day, you know, you have the uh, the Brotherhood is essentially operating out of Turkey and um, using its, uh, its exiled leaders are in Turkey, its propaganda machine, its TV stations, everything is operating out of Turkey under direct uh, supervision, and, if you will, with the support of the Turkish government. And Hamas being in Turkey... Ah, of course, yes. Hamas is part of that, obviously. No, and the the Turkish relationship with Hamas is, is goes way back and is is very deep. Okay, and we have time for one more question, so we'll take that now. And caller, if you wish to identify yourself, please do so when you hear your line is unmuted. Uh, this is Halley Faust from New Mexico. I apologize if you answered this at the very beginning. I came in three or four minutes late to the talk, but is there evidence, and how strong is the evidence, and what is the evidence that the Galenists were, in fact, the, the driving party of the coup? Uh, yes, I think that's, that's a very legitimate question. Uh, it is different, difficult, depending on the uh, level of evidence that you require, the answer will be different. If you require beyond reasonable doubt, it is going to be difficult because uh, with this type of, the, the very substance of matter that we're dealing with is by, by its nature very difficult to work on in the sense that we're talking about an opaque movement 
that we can follow. We can see the uh, we can see its footprints, but we can never really they don't they're not an overt act, actor that takes responsibility for for their actual doings. If we're talking about preponderance of evidence, to again use a kind of an analogy from a courtroom, I think there is a preponderance of evidence that the Gulen movement was a driving force. Uh, not, and not all of this evidence, by the way, comes from the Turkish government, but I think it's quite clear that this, uh, that in, in the way that this coup proceeded, in the, in the faceless nature of the coup, uh, it was, uh, there was never, to this day, we don't have a leader of the coup. There is no single general that has been identified as leading the coup. That speaks to a structure behind it, which is very much uh, the way the Gulen movement operates. And I should also note that this is not the first uh, attempt by the Gulen movement to, over, to, to, um, to overthrow Erdogan, if you will. It's actually the third attempt. The first attempt after their falling out began in 2011 was the uh, was the attempt to arrest the head of the national intelligence organization Hakan Fidan in, in early 2012 uh, the second one was the uh, was the the arrest uh, of a lot of uh, people associated to Erdogan's crony capitalist uh, structures which led to the to the demise of four ministers and almost to the arrest of Erdogan's own family uh, by the way, all the allegations appear to have been true, but the point is that this was a this was a power gambit against Erdogan by the Gulenists to get him out of uh, power, and this was a third and last attempt which was precipitated. And I think this is further uh, evidence: the coup was precipitated by the imminent arrest uh, of uh, a circle of alleged Gulenist um, officers within the uh, military that was actually going to happen the very next day after the coup. So, in my mind, there is very little. There is very little doubt that the Gulen movement was the driver. But I think that the word that you use is actually as a driver is the right one, because I don't believe it was only an issue of Gulenists. I think it was the Turkish military appears to have been divided uh, into people who were co cooperating with Erdogan because they disliked the Gulenists more, and people who were cooperating with the Gulenists because because they disliked uh, Erdogan more. And I think that testifies to the sad reality that Turkey, the Turkish state, again, as I said, has been torn apart by a struggle between two Islamic sects in, in principle. Thank you. Yes, Dr. Cornell, we're coming towards the end here, but I did want to ask one final question as you made reference to the future. Uh, what do you anticipate for those still remaining Western sympathetic voices in Turkey, for example, journalists? What uh, awaits their future, and who do you think will follow uh, Erdogan since you have uh, referenced his poor health? Uh, how do you anticipate those two scenarios unfolding? Well, first of all, I think the pro-Western forces in Turkey will will be there, but they will they will be uh, quiet for a while, and we will need to work with them to empower them in various ways. Uh, but that's going to be a difficult battle because on the political level right now they are very marginalized. We shouldn't have any illusions about that. Uh, on the other question, I mean, since what we know about Erdogan's health is, is so shaky, uh, he could be around for a very long time, but I think the, the one thing we should be prepared for is very rapid and very dramatic changes in Turkey uh, and possibly further violent, violent developments in Turkey as we see in the southeast and elsewhere. Um, Turkey is becoming a problem, not a country that we can use to solve other problems. It's becoming a problem in its own right. Um, for the future, after Erdogan, unfortunately, I think the concentration of power that he is trying to achieve in his own hands, by the way, unconstitutionally, 
has led to a deinstitutionalization of power. Power is now wielded informally rather than formally through constitutional mechanisms. And all this means that after Erdogan, I'm afraid there will be chaos. There will at least be a very big vacuum. There will be political instability. There will be a need for a realignment and a rejuvenation of political forces that is going to necessarily be very messy. And uh, and it's it's not going to be easy. And I think there is a quite significant risk that that will be uh, that will be a very time-consuming and messy process. And we're going to have to deal with an unstable uh, and difficult Turkey for a long time. Thank you for your comments and your analysis. Uh, we've reached the end of our conference call, and we'd like to thank our participants for calling in and for Dr. Cornell for giving us his time and his analysis. This concludes the conference call.